of Sodom and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father James spoke well last week about the spiritual discipline of offering our praise and thanksgiving to God. That there's never a season in our lives where we fail to have countless reasons to offer thanksgiving to our Lord, no matter what circumstances befall us. And when he was preaching last week, I was reminded of one of my favorite scriptures from the Psalms regarding giving praise to God. It has to do with God's activity toward us when we praise God. In Psalm 22, these words, You are holy, enthroned on the praises of your people. Other translations, you are holy, you inhabit the praises of your people. The language is this, that when we praise God and offer him thanksgiving, it's as if our verbal praise that comes out of our soul with true thanksgiving for him constructs a temple right there where we are into which he brings his throne and he sits and he makes himself present with us. In other words, through our praise, he comes right with us and he opens our hearts to see how present he is. And that's an incredible joy. If we want to experience God, both on the mountaintop seasons of our life when all is well, or in the pit of the worst trials and sufferings that we go through, then open your mouths and let the praise of God come out of your soul through your lips out loud, like Father James said. Our praise is a wrecking ball to many damaging things. And it opens up our experience of the living God who delights, sings over us when we praise Him. It's a beautiful thing to consider. We do that and you'll know His presence with you, no matter what. You know, in the area of our money and our finances, we're too often worried about losing what we have or not having what we need for today or for in the future. And we get so tangled up in this. We get so worried and we get so anxious that we fail to enjoy the true contentment because our worries about these things, they blind us to the goodness of God. Our worries blind us to all the good things that he has done and forever will do for us. And they blind us to his daily infinite provisions for everything that we need for that one day for which we should be praising him out loud every day for every good and perfect gift that our Lord gives to us. These, these financial worries, they bind us up and blind us from what God is doing. And this is why our Lord Jesus Christ in our gospel reading today from St. Matthew, he says, you cannot, no one can serve two masters, no one. You cannot serve both God and mammon. Mammon being wealth, finances, material goods. In other words, the things that are finite, things of this earth, things that are not eternal. You can't serve that and God at the same time. St. John Chrysostom comments on it like this. He says, Jesus does not call mammon, these material goods, Jesus does not call mammon a master because it has any power. He calls it a master to point out the woeful condition of those who bow themselves beneath it. I love that statement. And what our Lord Jesus Christ is saying in the Gospel of St. Matthew, what you just heard from St. John Chrysostom, their teachings are talking about the danger to us of financial and material idolatry. 
idolatry, because it's exactly what it is. And let's remember what idolatry is. It is anything that we love and devote ourselves to above the Lord our God. Idolatry is that which we focus, when we focus all of our thoughts, all of our energy on, rather than moving ourselves toward God and opening our souls to the experience of Him in this life, it becomes idolatry. And listen to this. Both financial anxiety, excuse me, both financial idolatry and financial worries and anxieties, they are always hand in hand. When God is our God, and we see everything from His perspective and trust Him, find me your anxieties. Find me your worries. But when we've taken our gaze off of Him onto the worries of this life, it becomes an idolatry, and we sink into it. Let me mention two main reasons why we struggle from time to time with financial idolatry. This is not an exhaustive list, but I am giving you two prominent reasons that we give in to financial idolatry. And therefore, we notice in our lives when we do it that we start experiencing these anxieties and worries regarding what we will have or what we'll have in the future. The first reason is this, is because we have bought into an incredible lie that's been written into us, that anything that we have belongs to us. That's the first lie of Satan that is to draw us to this idolatry and these anxieties, that anything you have belongs to you. And secondly, as just part of that, and by the way, you're alone with all this stuff. God's not with you. This is yours. It's all yours. And therefore, we begin to live a life grasping for control and trying to protect for fear of loss what we think belongs to us. And the worries come in and the anxieties flood our lives. And there's a second reason, too, that this idolatry pops up in our life from time to time. It's because there's a particular way that we have not yet come to know the Lord our God. Don't get me wrong. Every one of us is on an eternal journey growing and knowing God from revelation to revelation that he gives us all of our lives. There are things we know about God and know well because of our experiences with him. But we find ourselves struggling in the pit of anxieties and financial fears. We have not yet come to know God in his nature of provision. That everything belongs to God. And God is our perfect and faithful provider. You know, one of the ways that our, that our Lord revealed his nature to mankind in the Old Covenant was that he would give them a name to know him by. You see, all these names of God that he gives his people so they come to know him. And one of those Hebrew names that welled up from within Abraham in Genesis chapter 22 and came out of his mouth is, You are Jehovah Yireh. Jehovah Yireh. And that name means exactly this. It's as if the Lord is saying, I am the Lord your provision. I am the Lord your I am the Lord your provider. I am all provision. You see, He does not just give us what we need, things that we need. He is the source of all. He alone is all that we need. He is the source of our provisions. And it is in his nature from the dawn of creation when he created everything 
It is in his nature to provide the needs of all that he created, including his most pinnacle creation, mankind. Every single one of us. When God led his people out of their bondage and into the wilderness to worship him and to follow him, and all those 40 years they wandered around the wilderness, those thousands upon thousands of Hebrew people did not have what they needed for that journey. Not even close for 40 years of laps around the wilderness. So what did God do? He gave them manna, little bread cakes in the morning, and quail would come and fall on their ground in the evening so they could eat. And while they were in the wilderness, it's he who made the bitter waters of Mara that they couldn't drink when they were about to die of thirst, refreshing to their bodies and to their souls. As he changed bitter waters to sweet waters, and they lived on. Other times, he caused water to flow from a solid rock in the wilderness to sustain their lives. In fact, you know, the only thing that the people had for that 40-year journey was need. That's the only thing the people had was need. And God was the provision of every need that they had in the journey. That has not changed with us in this journey. All we have is need. And we reach out our hands to a provider who so faithfully provides those needs for us. And he showed it over and over again to them, just like he shows it over and over again to us, if we will look and see his handiwork. You know, there's a profound prayer that's given to us that we're supposed to pray during our noon hour of prayer. And I think we miss the fact that it is revealing the God of provision to us every time we pray at midday, when we have struggles, especially in that midday. And that prayer says this. We pray the eyes of all wait upon thee, and thou givest them their meat in due season. Thou openest thine hand and fillest all things living with plenteousness. Glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. You see? The image we're given even in that prayer is this, a great mama bird who has gone and gathered and come back to the birds, the little birds that can't do anything for themselves. And out comes the food and fills them and sustains their life. This is the picture of God. He is ever aware of your need and my need. And he is fully sufficient to meet every single one of our needs. And those who keep their lives postured like those birds, looking up to him, not looking at what they don't have or what they're worried about they don't have, but looking at the very picture of sufficiency, God himself. Those who do that, he delights to feed and prove himself and show himself again and again that I am Jehovah Yireh. I am God, your provision. He wants us to experience this. This is who he is, and I really don't know. I know in my life I'm still growing in this, but I just don't know that we truly know him as provision like he wants us to know him. That's why he's speaking this to us today. You see, if our face, that is the face of our soul, all of our energies, our emotions, if they're set upon material goods and finances as if we're alone and as if we own anything, constantly grasping for control, caught up in that financial idolatry, what we're doing in those same moments is failing to make a path for the Lord to reveal himself as provider. We're actually putting up blockades. 
when we're self-sufficient, doing all of this and scared and afraid and so on, where's the open hand that can receive anything? Where's the open soul that goes to God with the need, knowing he's the one who must solve this problem and provide? Lord, you, you tell me I do what you say, and I know you'll provide. That's the life of the Christian that knows and trusts God as provision. And we begin to sink and drown in the waves of our financial anxiety if we don't make a path for him to reveal himself like this. The good news is this. How many of you truly believe that our God has remedies and prescriptions to heal us of our idolatries and all of our worries and the things that come from it, remedies that make a path for him to reveal himself as our perfect provider so that we can know him and grow day to day in a greater trust in who he is despite what's going on around us. You know, there's actually a prescription that God gave to his people in the Old Covenant that was designed for this because even in the garden when God created man, God knew that mankind was going to struggle to trust him for all he is. He knew that. And when we fell... God had a people once again. He gave them a prescription to open their hearts to know him as the provision. But that spiritual discipline of the tithe continues today in his church. Before I even remind you of God's wisdom and why he gave such a prescription, I have to say and I have to praise God that over these last numerous years in this parish, I have watched so many of you grow further and further in your offering, engaging the spiritual discipline. And by doing so, the greatest blessing to me, greater than your offering, is watching what God does to show himself to you and watching your faith be built from what you're doing because he is being so faithful to you. And I've seen God's promise in your lives and also in the life of this parish from Malachi 3 when he spoke through his holy prophet saying to his people, who were not bringing their whole tithe in because they were not trusting him and did not know him as provider. God said through the prophet to them, bring your whole tithe into, the, into my storehouse and trust me and see if I won't open the gate of blessing so much that no storehouse can fill what I'm about to give you. And that storehouse being filled is not about monetary goods and mammon. The promise is everything will be provided for, plus every spiritual blessing of the kingdom of God that comes from knowing me. This is what he's been doing in the lives of so many of you and in our parish. And it's a blessing to watch. You know, the tithe and that promise, by the way, it's the only time you see in all of Holy Scripture that God gives a spiritual discipline and guidance out of his wisdom and says, test me in. That is the only time God says, do this and test me. Why? Because he delights and he is eager in revealing himself as God the provider to every one of his little birds. He delights in revealing himself. And so he says to test him. Here's a bit of wisdom. The wisdom behind God that in God's prescription of the tithe. And before I even go to that wisdom, let's remember the truth of what God asked. Do not let Satan again enter in with his deception. Listen to what the spiritual discipline of the tithe is taught by our church teaches us. God asks us to give back to him the first 10% of what belongs to him. Stop the press. 
Notice it didn't say, give him your first 10% of what belongs to you. See, already our minds are having to be transformed <coughs> towards truth in the prescription itself. Give to God the first 10% of what belongs to him and him alone. And then with the other 90% that is his, that he has made you stewards of, follow him in his directions on how to use it, and you will grow to be like him in his nature. See, this is the wisdom of God behind the tithe. You see, to, to tithe, see, in order to tithe, to do this spiritual discipline, we have to loosen our grip and loosen control. And we have to give to God what honestly belongs and in reality belongs to him. And this is where the Lord, when we loosen control, steps in no matter how tight things get, no matter how last second things are. He never fails and he steps in when we loosen our grip to now fill our empty hand with himself. That's how it works. See, week after week and month after month, and our faith just grows and grows as we encounter. I didn't know how this was going to happen. Look at what the Lord my God did. And he reveals himself. And we come to know him in his nature. You see, you and I, we have such a loving Savior who is a great physician. And he alone has wisdom to both diagnose and provide the perfect prescriptions to heal the things that ail us. When mammon is our master, we will sink in the frustration and concerns because we will weary ourselves from control. But as we grow to loosen our control and know God as provider, we are the ones that are set free. We follow. We work. We put our hands to whatever God has said put your hands to. He does the rest. And when there's a financial bump in the road, we don't turn to our anxiousness and control. We turn to the one who knew the solution before the problem happened. And we open our hands and he shows us the miracle of his provision. As always, that which we serve, either mammon or a great God of provision, will determine our experience in these days. In the name of the Father and of the